0: We live in a world, we live in a world where someone's family, uh, history or background or qualifications are so important because these are the things that make up who we are. And talk about identity. I am an Australian. I am a husband. I am, you know, an architect. I have a degree or three. I own a car or three or a house Or three. You know, like, all these things quantify who we are. And it's like they are the things that not only we identify with, but actually become our identity. And these things are so important to us, and these are important in our world, because because these are the things that make us who we are. And... It's these things that the world wants to know about because they're the things that the world is going to accept and choose to love or to discard. And so that's the story of our lives. The story of our lives is trying to build this identity. That's why we study hard. That's why we work. That's why we buy certain things. That's why we wear certain brands. Because we are trying to build an identity for the sake of explaining and justifying who I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm made of. And ultimately, what we are saying is this. I am whatever that quantifying statement is. I am strong, I am rich, I am famous, I am loved. Our whole lives are built on this focus of who I am. Now, we're in the story of Exodus, where we've met this man named Moses, who was an Israelite that was saved by God to be raised as an Egyptian royal prince. Now, if you miss that story, Jump on the podcast from last week because you can hear it there. But what we found at the end of our story last week in Exodus chapter 2 was two things that happened. And that was this. One, Moses becomes a murderer and runs away from Egypt because the Egyptian king wants him dead. And the second thing that we see at the end of chapter 2 is that we see the Israelite people are still stuck in Egypt as slaves Still crying out to God for salvation. Today, we're in Exodus chapter 3. Now, the jump from Exodus 2 to 3 to us is a page turn or a sentence. But in real time, 40 years have passed. 40 years have passed since Moses ran away and got married. Now, it wasn't the next day. Forty years. Moses came to a foreign land called Midian, became a shepherd. And for 40 years, he lived this life as a shepherd. And he got married, so he became a husband, he was a dad. And he just became like this country farmer for 40 years. And I guess after 40 years, you might have forgotten about Egypt, forgotten about God's people. But what we see is that even after 40 years, God had not forgotten him. So let's go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Let's begin there. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that through, uh, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, I don't know about you, but if you imagine the life of a shepherd, it doesn't sound like the most exciting, thrilling kind of a life. Kind of sounds a little bit boring, sort of ordinary Every day. You know, maybe you have a naughty sheep that runs away one day. You know, maybe a snake suddenly turns up within the flock. But that's probably as exciting as his life got for 40 years. And then suddenly, suddenly out of the blue, he sees something that he's never seen before. He sees a bush that is on fire. Now, that's not what he's not seen before. He's probably seen fire before. But he looks at this bush that is on fire, but the bush itself is not burning up. Scientifically, that is impossible. And I'm not going to go into the science of it, but I'm just telling you, that's not natural. So Moses decides to go over and have a look. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, To this bush out of curiosity, this bush that is on fire, but he's not burning. And out of that bush, he is God. God turns up and identifies himself as the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, this is significant because this is how you identified which God it was. We knew that this is the God that his ancestors, this is the God of his ancestors. And so in response, Moses hides his face because he was afraid to look at God. So now, at this point, God now has Moses' full attention. Verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God had not forgotten about his people in Egypt. And he's going to save them through by sending Moses back to Egypt. We learn this about our God, that he's a personal God. He's a personal God that cares about his people that he wants to come down and rescue his people and bring them out of Egypt. And he's saying to Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you back. Now, at this point, you've got to remember, it's been 40 years since Moses has come out of Egypt. Now, they didn't, uh, there was no parade when Moses left Egypt. He was a, a fugitive that they wanted dead. And so Moses, at this point, probably remembered that and realized that there would be no parade when he returned to Egypt as well. And so Moses, in this moment, has two very good and very important questions that he asks God. The first one we see in verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It's a great question. God turns up in some burning bush, some supernatural activity. Moses is there. The most exciting thing that Moses is doing every day is he's looking after sheep. And so he goes to God, God, why me? Like, I've been out for 40 years. Why are you taking me back? Like, who am I that that I should go and save the people? What qualifications do I have? What skill sets do I I have to go and be your servant? Who am I? Who am I that you would use? Who am I? And it's the same question that we ask ourselves, justifying our existence, our identity, and our purpose. But it's a very important question that we should be asking ourselves. But the answer that God gives is phenomenal. Listen to it carefully. Verse 12. Moses says, who am I? Verse 12. And God says, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And you you read this response and you think, wait a minute. Have I missed a verse? Moses asked God, God, why me? Who am I? Why are you sending me? And God responds, I will be with you. God, you haven't answered the question. You haven't given me a reason. You haven't given me the the explanation of why, why, what do I have that I would go and do this? And God says, I will be with you. It's such an odd way to answer the question. And so when we first hear it, we really think, God, did you hear the question? Did you miss the question? But actually, God heard the question, and that is his answer. When Moses asked, Why me? God says, I will be with you. God says, I am the qualification. I am your justification of why you are going. I'm your back. I'm the reason why you're going. That's all the confidence you need. That's the only skill you need, the fact that I'm going with you. So then Moses then moves to his second question. The first question was, who am I? Why are you sending me? And God says, I will be with you. And then Moses, based on that answer, His second question, we see in verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? So Moses says, okay, God, who am I? that I should go and bring the Egyptians out and you say to me, I will be with you. You're saying to me that you're my qualification, you're my justification, you're the reason, you're my backing. Here's the next question. Who are you? Who are you? Moses has now ultimately moved from asking the question, who am I? To now he's asking, well, who are you? What is your name? And God responds in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You've got to love this answer. Moses asks, who are you? And God replies, I'm me. You? Yes. Yes. Me. You know, in a, I think it's Rush Hour Rush Hour 3. Oh, one of the funniest scenes. Too bad we don't have it on the video. Oh, go and watch Rush Hour 3. Change your life. You know, and your perspective about kung fu and all of that as well. Who Who are you, god? What's your name? Me? I'm me. And actually, a a closer translation to the Hebrew is I be who I be. And you realize why they didn't put that in the the NIV? Because that's even more confusing. Who are you? Me? I be who I be. So confusing. But what we need to understand is this. And this is the big point of Exodus 3. This is exactly what separates God from man. See, we're always trying to define ourselves. I am, and then an answer. I am a father. I am talented. I am a member of Chat time, whatever, right? Like there's all these things that we identify ourselves with. And 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 you add them all together, and that becomes Steve Cha. Husband of Melissa, father of so many. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember their names now. One, two, three, and four. You know? Member of no president not even member, president of the the chapel run club, Cambodia, for those that understand that. You know, like, that's who I am. But God, God doesn't need any of that. God doesn't need to define himself through other things because God is God. And we call this God being self-existent, meaning that he has no dependence upon any other. See, man must define himself dependent on other things or other people. But God, he doesn't need anyone else or anything else to be defined because he is just God. He is the great I am. God did not need someone else to create him. God did not need anyone else to name him. God did not need anyone to put boundaries around God. God is above creation. Now, this is sometimes a very hard concept for us to understand because we live in a finite world. We live within a world that has physical boundaries, and we're trying to explain God who is outside of those boundaries. But even then, God does not need for us to be able to explain him for him to be him. He is who he is, with or without us. In one sense, it's, I is who I is. I know people with good English struggle with that statement. That's how we say it in the West. I is who I is. See, the problem we face but in this world is this. We think we can define God. And we try to. Now, whether you're Christian or not, that's okay. But we try to define God. We try to put up parameters around God. God is like this. God is like that. We question God. If God is so good, why does he do this? If God existed, why do good you know, good people die? This is us trying to define God. This is us trying to explain God, trying to justify God. But this is us trying to understand, define, and justify God within our human finite knowledge. And we're trying to explain a God that is beyond this. God defines himself because he is the great I am. We don't get to define God because God defines himself. All we have to do is be able to accept that that is his definition. And that's what it mean. We either accept God or we reject him. He defines himself. And he says, I am who I am. See, if God was dependent on anything else for his identity, then he wouldn't be God. And so we see this amazing encounter between Moses and God. Moses says, you're going to send me? Who am I? And God says, I will be with you. And then Moses says, well, who are you? God says, I am who I am. And then we're going to see in the following chapters that Moses will head back into Egypt. There's going to be a big showdown between God and Pharaoh. And that's the really exciting part of the 10 plagues. And we'll get into that. But, but this is where we pause for today. Why is it important for us that God is the great I am? You know, it's great for us to try to understand and go, okay, if this, if, okay, that's God. Great. But what's that got to do with us then? How does it affect your day and my week? Well, I think there are three things that it does for when we understand who God really is. Firstly, it gives us context. It reminds us who God is and who we are. And in one sense, it reminds us that God is God and that we are not. It's like when our children start to think that they are older than they really are. Now, as I said, I've got four kids and they do this all the time. They think that they're bigger and smarter than they really are. You know, it's, it's not even like just my teenage kid, it's even like my one year olds like that, starting to give me attitude. And they start, they think they c- they can start making decisions. And call shots around the house when they really can't. Because I'm a loving parent, I'm just very gracious to my children. But I did overhear my wife the other day. Let's throw her under the bus. One of my kids started giving my wife a little bit of stick. And anyone that knows my wife and I, they know that, you know, patience, grace, mercy. And then, you know, my wife is... You know, just better versions of that, I guess. But I heard her say this line, you don't like it? Go pay your own rent. See, kids do this all the time because they forget. They forget that they're not an adult. They might think they're an adult. You know, as they grow up. But what this does is, it gives us context and a reminder That if God is the great I am, the one that doesn't need anyone else to define himself, but we do. Because our identity is linked to God's. We don't exist if God doesn't exist. Yet God exists whether we exist or not. It puts us back into place. And it puts us back into context. It's like if I was to get on a train, go up to the driver and say, hey, I've been riding public transport, Sydney public transport, for 10 years on this one train. This one trip's taken me 10 years because that's Sydney transport. I've been watching what you've been doing, Mr. Train Driver, and I think you're doing it wrong. I think you need to press these other buttons and I think you need to be doing this properly. Now, If I actually did that on a train, security would get called and I would be taken off that train and probably to the police station. Sometimes we just become too big for our own shoes. Sometimes we we just become bigger than we really need to be. I was listening to a sermon on this passage and this pastor, he's awesome. He just went, everyone thinks that they're amazing, but they're not. You're just normal, you're just ordinary, but we don't like that, you know. Especially in you know in this new generation, where we're telling our kids like, you guys are amazing. Fifteenth out of sixteenth is still good, you know. Like you're still an av- you know you're above, av- but actually that's wrong. We're just normal part of creation. What's amazing is actually God. Knowing our context does two things. It exalts God to where he should be in our lives. Sometimes we put God on our level as if he's just like one of us, our friend, you know? When we understand that God is the great I am, it, it actually exalts God to where he deserves to be in our lives. But it, secondly, it gives us humility for us to know where we lie in context of God. We're creation, not creator. The consequence of these two things allow us to learn to be dependent on God, to know that we are not in control, but we can have true peace with that. Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Context allows us to make declarations like that. So firstly, it gives us context. Secondly, it gives us confidence. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, Jesus talks about this, this, this idea of you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. As Christians, we're called to be an influence in the society we live. But the society we live is always questioning us. It's always questioning us, going, who are you? Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to stand out? What are your qualifications? What are your reasons that you get to be here? And our answer to that is this. Well, God said that he will be with me. That gives us so much confidence to live the life that God wants us to live. To know that God is with you, to know that God, the great I am, is with you. The access that that gives to us is amazing. See, the access we have to things on this world on our own, it's not much. But when God is with us, it opens up a brand new world. And this is a story from a, a, a pastor from England. So I'm not making, like I'm not, this is not my story and you'll work it out very quickly why this is not my story. Um, let's say we were in London, I've never been to London, and wanted to go meet the Queen and I actually wouldn't mind meeting the Queen, like the Queen, right? Queen Elizabeth, right? The the 20 cent piece, other side, that's her, the Queen, Right? Let's say we wanted to go and we're like, we want to go we want to hang out. You know, we want to hang out, we want to see a house, Buckingham Palace, and we want to check out all these things in a house. And, and even we want to see all the private rooms. You know how there's all those secret rooms and stuff you see in the movies? So, so we, we, we turn up to Buckingham Palace and we knock on the door. So who comes out? A guard. You know, the guard with the big black hat, the one with the gun. You know? He says hello. I say hello. I'd like to see the queen. I'd like to meet the queen. I wouldn't mind hanging out with the queen. I'd love to see her house and even some of the private rooms as well. And the guard with the hat and the gun looks at me and goes, sorry, who are you? And I say, I'm Steve Char. And the guard looks at me and would say, I think you should leave. And that's as far as I would get. Because if, if I tried to get any further, then there'd be real trouble. Access denied. Now, that's the exact same situation of a girl called Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton, age 15. When she was 15, if she turned up, and asked the same questions, she would have received the same responses from the guards. Hi, I'm Kate Middleton. I'd love to see the Queen. I'd love to get a tour of the house, please. And the guard would have said, "Move on." But now, it's not like that. Kate Middleton turns up. She says, "I'd like to see the Queen. Come right through. I'd like to see the palace." Sure. I'd like to see the secret rooms with the secret fridges and the secret chefs. Sure. What changed? She married the prince. For those that don't know who, who Kate Middleton is, yeah. I did think this as well. Like how many people would actually know, know what her name is? That's Prince William the eldest grandson of Queen Elizabeth. And the lady he married is Kate Middleton. So now that makes sense, doesn't it? Thank you. She now has a title. Her title is Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cambridge. Now when she says, I want to see the Queen, and someone says, well, who are you? She just points to her husband. And goes, I'm with him. I'm the princess that married the prince. Kate moved from who are you to I'm with him. And that's what, that's what happens to us. We go from who are you to I'm with God. And that gives us confidence in everything we do in our lives. So it gives us context, it gives us confidence, and finally, it gives us comfort. After 40 years, Moses' heart would have been restless to go back to the land where he was kicked out of, to face off with the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh. But knowing that the qualifications that he had was as simple as the great I am was with him, it was the great I am that sent him, would have given Moses amazing comfort and peace. Knowing the creator of the heavens and the earth personally and being able to say I'm with him should also give us overwhelming peace in our lives. This is what it means to be a Christian. On our own, who are we? We're just people, ordinary Normal people who are dependent on other things to define who we are. The money we have, the education we have, the friends and family we have. But it's the fact that God is with us. Yahweh, the great I am, is with us. This is what gives us context to know that God is greater and humility to know where we stand. It gives us confidence to live this life. Knowing that we can be like I'm with him. And finally, it gives us comfort to know that we're not doing this alone. See, friends, no matter what you're going through in your life, there is no qualification or skill or justification that is grander than having the creator of the universe, the great I am, by your side. Who am I? I'm the son or the daughter of the heavenly father. And who's the heavenly father? Well, he is who he is. He's the great I am. So as we ponder this tonight, we remind ourselves tonight of who God is. Put ourselves back into context. Give ourselves confidence and comfort. I pray that we would be able to live our lives knowing that the great I am is our great I am, is our God, personal God. Let's pray.